Welcome to Civil Discourse. This podcast will use government documents to illuminate the workings of the American government and offer context around the effects of government agencies in your everyday life. And now your hosts, Nia Rogers, public affairs librarian, and Dr. John Augenbaugh, political science professor. Hey, Augie. Good morning, Nia. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Uh, I'm uh, uh, quite good um, uh, because today, um, listeners, uh, we get to talk some common sense. Yes, nice segue. Uh, And it won't pain you. (laughs) It it won't pain us or it won't pain me. Um, But, I mean, this is a rather ironic opportunity because – People we hardly ever talk common, common sense. sense. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that's silly. So we had promised a while back that we were going to look at some of the founding documents and some of the basics of of government. Yes. And um and so we're getting around to that this season. Um yeah, because you know, Things happen in politics and government, and we come across government documents, and the best laid plans of mice and men often go astray. Yes. Yes. Um, But they're (laughs) not today, because today we are going to talk about Thomas Paine's common sense. Now, side note, Thomas Paine had published, or published rather, this pamphlet, Common Sense, in what, on what day? January 10th, 1776. So that date's going to sound familiar, 1776, because if if you've grown up in the United States or if you're actually welcomed to the United States, at any point during a test, at some point you've been asked what's the day of the founding of the United States. And people will say July 4th. 1776, which is totally wrong. It's actually August 2nd, but we won't get into that because that's a whole separate issue. Um, She said bitterly. But so this is, we are in the revolutionary time, the revolutionary time frame, starting in about what, the early 1770s, you start to get people in the colonies being crabby about British rule. Yeah, so they're starting to feel like they don't have representation. They're starting to feel like the king's maybe kind of a lunatic and a despot. Not that we're saying he was, but he was, Um, right? So, like, (laughs) I'm sorry, I am casting aspersions on King George. So, so that's the sort of, and the other thing that that I think people forget is many, many, many of the people who are living at this time whose names you've heard. Right. So Jefferson, Madison, Adams, Mason, Payne, Ben Ben Franklin, Ben Franklin are men of the Enlightenment. Yes. They are men who have come out of a a series of thinkers, John Locke, uh, Francis Bacon. Right. Those guys who are all coming up with this. What are what are rights? What does the word right mean? I have a right to what? And they're. They're trying to. They're wrestling with those questions. Yeah, it, it, there's a couple things that you just mentioned there, Neo. I mean, one, um, what many Americans um, don't remember, if they were ever exposed to it, is the British Crown 
Great Britain had just ended a war with the French, right? The Seven Year War. Yeah, um, Seven Year War, also known as the French Indian War, right? And Great Britain had won the war, but fighting wars are costly. The British crown was <laughs> close to bankrupt. So the crown starts casting about for sources of revenue. Right. You look around and you go, colonies. That's, That's right. why we have colonies. Colonies, right? Okay. Because colonies have raw materials, natural resources. They have both producers and consumers. Like yeah. colonies are the best. That's right. Okay. Except for the people who are being colonized. Well, thank you very much. <laughs> it's not so and great for them. For them. Yeah, but, it's not, yeah. but it's great for the colonizing power. Hence so, why all the powers at the time had colonies. That's right. Okay, whether it was Great Britain, France, Spain, what have you. So they began uh, the 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 British Crown began to pass various laws. Okay, and a lot of them were uh, of a taxing nature. Right. Okay, there were surcharges placed on goods that were produced in the colonies. Okay, and if the colonies wanted to sell them, okay, the British Crown was going to get a cut of the revenue, right? The problem, as far as the colonies were concerned, was, but we don't get to go ahead and participate in the decisions to tax us. Taxation right? without, representation. without representation, right? Okay, so there's a the schoolhouse rock for that, in case you're wondering. <laughs> yes, right. Okay. No more kings. <laughs> okay. And I and, and even today I think that you can get a license plate up in district of uh, the district of Columbia. Okay. You know what, you know, because you know, DC residents get taxed, but they don't get to do what? Vote. They don't get what yeah, they well they, they don't get, well they get they, voting, but they don't but have they don't statehood. Get, yeah, well they and they don't have meaningful representation in the Congress. Right. Okay. No taxation without representation, right? Don't, don't tread on me. Yeah, I mean, it even resonates today. So that's one point. But the other point here, Nia, is you touched upon how many of the colonies, in response to these egregious acts of the British crown, began to tap into Enlightenment thinking. And Enlightenment thinking has a number of characteristics, but one of the main characteristics that becomes quite obvious with Thomas Paine's Common Sense pamphlet, and in a future podcast episode, okay, uh, a little bit of foreshadowing, um, our discussion of the Declaration of Independence, is this Enlightenment-era thought that the power of government rests with the people. Right. It, do it doesn't come from God, because if it comes from God, you can't go ahead and challenge God. Right. right. That's never worked out for anybody. Okay. But if it uh, comes it comes from the people. Right. So you have divine right of kings in England, right? Well, the king is the king because God made him the king. That's right. And and the Enlightenment thinkers are like, but really? Doesn't, are doesn't, we sure about that? Like doesn't, doesn't the power of the government flow from the people? Right. And, and therefore the people should be at minimum consulted now can i just say that so this is the same time if you'll harken back to previous episodes and in fact in, in future episodes where um we have or will discuss 
the Federalist Papers. Yes. What you're getting is a whole bunch of people at this time, at this time of 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 history in the 1770s, are being very crabby about who has the rights to what. And then when the Federalist Papers, okay, well, now that we've got this thing, what are we going to do with it? How are we going to build it into something that's democratic and useful and and all these other things? But prior to the Federalist Papers, you get the people who are saying, should we be leaving? Maybe we should leave. Maybe this is a good time to just peace out and be done. This is that part where the party seems to be dying down and it's not great for every for anybody, but people are afraid to leave because they don't want to be the first one to to leave because then it breaks up the party. Yeah, we're we're past we're just past that point where people are starting to get their coats. They're like, okay, we're we're done. This isn't working for us. We're not having we are not getting what we need in terms of our own intellectual independence because the king is telling us what to do all the time. So, so you get this, you get the declaration, you get right this time period. And so this comes before the declaration. Though. This comes Thomas Paine, common comes, sense is January 10th. So it comes it's not for another five months that you get yeah, about roughly the declaration of independence. independence. Yeah. In the, you, you you just mentioned something, and I think that's a, a third relevant point. Not all the colonists were convinced that they should the colonies should break from the British crown. Yes, yeah, some people never want to leave the party. Okay, they're like, I no, mean, no, let's keep going. It's only two a.m. Right, like, and, and those folks uh, were referred to as loyalists. So those who wanted to break away who wanted greater representation had to convince okay you know many of the you know the colonists the people in the colonies that this would be a worthwhile endeavor and that it would work yeah and and, and that it would cuz it's a big scary world out there and if you're going to go off saying oh we're just going to be our own thing i mean think about the history of the british empire the british empire at that point had existed in one form or another for a thousand years. And and these upstart Americans are well, not then Americans, because America didn't exist then, but these upstart colonists are like, you know what? We think there might be a better way. We think we could do it better. And I, I'm sure that there was some level of offense at the loyalists and the royalists that said, Really, you think you can do it better? Really? Cause that's what I would say. If I had been then, I probably would have been in the, mm, can we do it better? Category. Yeah. yeah well, I would have had to be convinced. Yeah. And and, and that's the thing about Thomas. Because I'm a moderate. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and that's the thing about Thomas Paine's uh, common sense. Um, in many ways, the success of the pamphlet um, um, was pretty incredible. He was a recent immigrant to the United States. And he wasn't well known like, you know, Ben Franklin, Thomas Jefferson, John Adams, you know, the whole cabal up in Massachusetts, right? That that really received the smart dudes that hung out together. Yeah, you know, the, the you know the, the you know the the folks up in Massachusetts really got screwed over by the British Crown, right? I mean, because you know the, the British Crown picked the Massachusetts colony for a lot of the egregious laws passed by you know the parliament right 
you know, Thomas Paine wasn't a part of that crowd, right? Um, in the first three months, Nia, Common Sense sold over 120,000 copies, right? I mean, you know, we talk about things going viral today. In a nation of then three million people that are not African American and not, not Native American. Americans. That's right. Okay. Three million basically um it was Western European immigrant. Folks. It was it was the best selling printed work by far, okay, at that time and remained by a living author. Yeah, by a living author. Um, um, and it remained that way for years. And right? why do we say by a living author? Because the Bible has been the best-selling book. Yes, and it was a it, in the United States, States since the beginning of the United since before the beginning of the United States. Yes, because the Bible is the Bible just is a, a highly highly selling book. But anyway, yeah. um, but so common sense. So here it is, and I think what's so great about common sense is the language that's used in it. Yes, it's not what I call, and this is a technical term, so don't throw it around, foofy. <laughs> it's not it's not foofy language. You know, like when you look at a lot of our founding documents, they are written with the idea that they will be read a hundred years in the future. They are written in this sort of foofy language, what I think of as foofy language. And and Thomas Paine didn't do that. Thomas Paine was like, listen, y'all. Here's how it needs to be. I mean, he spoke it was very eloquently blunt. in this way that that he used metaphors that regular folks understood. He he do you know what I mean? Like the success of his pamphlet is in part because of its consumability. Yeah, he was not necessarily writing okay for the elites. Right. Okay. Um he was writing for the basically common man, okay? Uh, because again, at that time, you know, you know, women, people of color, you know, the the indigenous population were not expected and were not allowed to participate in the affairs of the state, right? right. But he was trying to go ahead and reach the masses. Okay. You have a quote in here. Can I read it? Yeah, go ahead. Um. It, challenging the king's paternal authority in the harshest term, he mocked royal actions in America and declared that, quote, even brutes do not devour their young, nor savages make war upon their own families, quote. Yes. Okay. Like, that's such a – it paints such, such a, a clear picture. Picture, yes. Of, right? what he's, of what he's getting at there, and it's very accessible language. Yes, even brutes. Even brutes do not devour their young, young, right? Like even the worst people don't hurt their own children. Like, yes. what? Why is this? Why are we pretending this man is our is our father, our royal father? And he and he and he was attacking one of the logics that the British Crown had made, which was we know best, right? Very paternalistic. We, yeah, we know best, okay, and we're trying to go ahead and sustain the kingdom that has spawned you. And Payne's response was, well, that doesn't make any sense if you think about how 
brutes don't devour their young and savages don't even make war upon their families. But yet you are going to war, okay, with the colonies that you created and you say you only have their best interests at heart, right? Right. Okay. I mean, you know, he just went ahead and turned the logic of the British crown right around and said, really? Okay. You are doing what even the most savage of creature in nature does not do. Right. Okay. Right. And, um, and how was it, how was it received at the time? Um, uh, wouldn't it have been like, if you think about it in, in, in terms now of sales, it'd be a huge bestseller. It would be, it would be viral. I mean, you know, <laughs> it, a, a, it would no, be a it, meme that everybody knows, including my mother, who's not on the internet. <laughs> it, it was, it, 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 it's one of the description that is descriptions that I came across when I was doing research for this episode that I saw over and over again. It was the first viral mass communication event in the United States. All right. Um, it, 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 you know, 120,000 copies in the first three months. By the end of the revolution, half a million copies were sold, right? I mean, half a million poppy, copies in a population of two, two and a half million. million. All right. So basically, you had 20% of the colonists owned a copy now let's let's just go ahead and you know oh my gosh what author today would not kill for that kill for those numbers right if 20 percent of americans would buy your book holy moly you would be i mean if you think about it in terms of today's population that would mean about 60 million people okay bought and it's not a large it's not a long pamphlet right Okay, again, he was trying to persuade the masses. The masses were not going to read a tome. Okay, a 350 page (laughs) book, right? Um, (laughs) And the publicity was word of mouth, right? Because no mainstream publisher wanted to, you know, uh, uh, upset the crown. So, you know, this was word of mouth. And, 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 and here's the other thing, and, and, I, and I've already mentioned this, Neo. Thomas Paine was born and raised in England. He had been in Philadelphia for little more than a year, right? He only gets to Philadelphia because Ben Franklin wrote him a letter of recommendation, okay? Right. Um, the initial publication, the initial printing of the pamphlet, okay, um, he was anonymous, right? He was anonymous. And it was done in part because um, he didn't, w- they were afraid that if they went ahead and attached his name and he was a nobody, that the elites, okay, would speak against the publication. Right. And so it was listed as written by an Englishman. Yes. Okay. <laughs> and the title of it was Common Sense, addressed to the inhabitants of America on the following on the following sorry, I'm reading the the introducing subjects on the origin 
of government on monarchy and hereditary succession, thoughts of peaceful state of American affairs and on the presentability of Americans written by an Englishman. And by the way, we will we will link to the PDF of this, which is 29 pages. It is not a hugely long no, no, not thing at all. to read, but it is something that would be interesting to read. And in case you're wondering, the language is extraordinarily accessible. Yeah. Um, and, and Payne didn't just start with the writing of Common Sense. Um, uh, he then uh, wrote a, a, a second series of pamphlets that were published in December of 1776 that were extremely influential with the militia, the, you know, the, the army led by whom? George Washington. George Washington, yes. Can I read that? Can yes. I read that quote? Yes. This is something that people think is in common sense. But it wasn't. But it's not. It's That's in the right. next one. Yes. But it's, these are words that you will hear that you that you will know. This, is, this will sound familiar to many of the listeners. These are the times that try men's souls. The summer soldier and the sunshine patriot will, in this crisis, shrink from the service of their country. But he that stands it now deserves the love and thanks of man and woman. Tyranny, like hell, is not easily conquered. Yet we have this consolation with us, that the, that the harder the conflict, the more glorious the triumph. Yes. Yep. These are the times that try men's, men's souls. souls. You hear this from politicians of you know all stripes throughout our country's history, right? And Washington had it read aloud, didn't he, to, yeah. to his troops, because he was like, this is it. This is the this is the Shakespeare Henry V moment, right? Henry when Henry V is talking at Agincourt and he says men will feel sad that they were not here this day to serve and die with us, right? Like it's a similar um yes. It's similarly um, inspiring. Yes. These are yes. the times that try men's souls. People who are okay with, with war when it's easy, yeah, they're not the ones that are here now. The ones that are here now are the ones who are here in the dead of winter when it's terrible and the conditions are horrible, and yet we have to keep going. Yeah, I mean, because Washington ended up having um, those words read um when um uh um he was at uh, McConkie's ferry on the Delaware River you know um and um and some really important american political figures were a part of that army that heard those words folks like john marshall alexander hamilton james monroe and aaron burr right right um, all names you've heard Yes. Um, um, you know, not bad for, you know, somebody who'd only been in the United States, you know, for a little over a year. <laughs> um, um, well, so. when you think about it, too, um, at that time, it was December. People were yes. fighting up north. I don't know if anybody here has ever been up north in December. Augie has. Uh, it's cold. It's miserable. It's 
And the British were really smart because at that point, the British were saying, you know what? We will give everybody pardons. If you just put down your arms, we will let you walk away. We will let you walk away with no punishment, even though I'm not entirely certain that would really have been the case long term. But in the moment, General Howe was promising, it's all right. Everybody give up and go home. And Washington was like, no, we have to hold the line. We have to stay here and fight. So, and, I mean, yes. And they did. So, but I mean, it, it's a, I don't know. Thomas Paine is a, um, Thomas I'm, Paine to me is more accessible yes. as a man than a lot of the other, than Jefferson or Adams or Madison, right? Who yes. seem a little more, um, well, there were elites in American society, right? Right. I want to uh, say that they were Ivy League and Payne was VCU, right? Like, yeah. it's, like it's just more accessible. He was more <laughs> more in tune with what actual real people, and that's because he hung around in taverns and churches sure. and yes. yep. and where people hung around. He went and listened to what people's concerns were, like what the average man in those places was thinking. Yes. Yep. And and talking about, and he heard their fears and he responded to them in a way that was, okay, listen, like he didn't try to be all like, well, lofty goal X, blah, 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 blah. Cause they didn't, that sounded to them like guys who were not living their lives. That's right. Yeah. And pain yeah. sounded like a guy who was living their life. You know, <laughs> I know he gets mocked for it all the time, but when Clinton said, I feel your pain. Yeah. Yeah. That actually resonated with people because you believe that as a child of a single mother growing up at a time when that wasn't the the common experience, experience yeah. and growing up poor in a place called hope, right? Like th- those things that they, they did actually let him access some of the connective tissue among re- what we think of as real people. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I don't understand the experience of the Waldorfs and they don't understand my experience, but they, they've never wanted for anything in their lives ever. Right. So they don't understand my experience and I don't understand what it's like to, to have that sort of unimaginable wealth. Like I don't. Yeah. I mean, the, 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 the freedom the 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 um you're not anxious you're not you know trying to figure out how you're going to make ends meet right you know in today's language you know you, you know when you Where don't the next meal is coming from yeah right. when you when you don't live paycheck to paycheck right um 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 uh you often wonder do these people understand Okay, the the stress and the anxiety and the fear um, that you know I I live through. Right. If if the United States had lost the Revolutionary War, a lot of the elites could have picked up and gone somewhere else. Yes. Yeah. Jefferson would have moved to France almost immediately. Yeah. Yeah. I, I yeah. mean, and so would Franklin. Yeah. Right. They yeah. would just been like, all right, well, never mind. We're just going to go someplace else. But your common dude, right? Your common colonizing guy, 
or, yeah, or you, common you, revolutionary, revolutionary could not do that. Yeah. You know, everything was tied to this piece of land. Everything was tied to this local town. Everything was tied here. You you weren't going to, you didn't have the kind of resources that would allow you to pick up and leave. So to have somebody like Payne who used, you know, blunt everyday language and used metaphors that could be understood, you know, by the common person really, really resonated. And I want to mention here too, and a thread of faith runs through that, a thread of religious connective tissue runs through the through common sense that you don't find in the in the other founding documents now i actually like that i like that there that that the declaration and the constitution and the bill of rights don't rely as heavily on religion yeah because religion can exclude if you don't feel as though you're part of the mainstream Exactly. If you're not part of the religion they're referencing, but pain actually threads that through the, through common sense, because it was a thing that common people had enormous experience with. There were not colonists who just blew off church on Sundays. They just didn't. That was no. It. And, 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 and again, it wasn't mandatory, but it was dang near, right? Like <laughs> in, 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 in today, many Americans are unaware of how closely associated so many of the colonies were with particular religions. Exactly. I mean, their charters from the British crown, in some instances, explicitly allowed a colony to be built, okay, with a dominant religion. Right. You know, so, you know, in my home state of Pennsylvania, you know, William Penn received a charter so he could create a Quaker colony. (laughs) You know, Maryland was created with the dominant religion of Catholicism. I think South Carolina was Baptist. Exactly. Okay. So, so while I appreciate that the founders didn't put a lot of that into the founding founding documents documents themselves, it is important that they appear in common sense, and it is important that that pain drives home this idea of you can still believe in God and not believe in the king, because that's a that's a scary thing if you have believed in the divine right of kings up until that time, because you are. It's what you mentioned earlier. You are not only defying the king; you are defying God. God, yes, and. Pain makes it okay by saying, no, you're not. You're not defying God. God made you the thinking, natural creature that you are and gave you natural rights, gave you rights that you should that you should be, feel you have access to. To That's right. Yep. Yep. And Very so good that's, yeah. a, that's a powerful thing for him to, to weave into that um, because and, and, people would have felt – and some people would have felt that they were being disloyal to God if they were disloyal to the king. And, and nobody and, wants to do that if they think that it's going to cost them eternally, right? Yeah. Like that's going to cost it, you your soul. Uh, no, thanks. And, and, and that's a tension that still exists today in American politics when we sometimes have elite politicians make fun of Americans, okay, who have strong religious beliefs, Right. Excellent point. Thank you. Um, and and again, one of the reasons why 
we're exploring some of these founding documents is to go ahead and demonstrate not only how these founding documents have influenced us, but they tap into tensions, conflicts, debates that are still with us today, right? We're trying to, you know, we're still trying to make sense of how we incorporate religion into our public sphere. And for many Americans... Right. And in what at what level? And, we, we, and in what ways is it allowed and not allowed? allowed. And, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, and you know, it's not an easy question to answer. No. And, and 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 to me, it is noteworthy how Payne, okay, makes references to God, but again, he flips around. I mean, the logics he used in in uh, common sense, I mean, rhetorically, are just fantastic. Right. Um, you know, taking, you know, a, a, a logic like religion um, and how, you know, the British crown was saying you can't challenge us because of divine right. And Payne was just like, but what if, as many of you believe, God gave us natural rights? Right. Right. Correct. And then, then the, how do we square that circle? Like, how the, do we, we? Yeah. I mean, why is the king more divine, more divine than, than any, any other, other human? human? That's right. Okay. Right? And, and we have not seen proof of that. Yeah. And in fact, with Mad King George, we have <laughs> yeah. seen a distinct lack of <laughs> proof of that. Yes. Yes. Right. So the, part of it was. Uh, I put to you, and I could be completely wrong, I don't think common sense would have worked if there had been a more benign monarch. That they needed, that the revolution needed George to be a nut job who tried to, and I know that's not a correct term to use, um, to be a person who stamped all over the colonies as hard as he could. Yes, to get money, to get to ensure his power, to do all those things. If he had not done that, if he had been the benign King Augie, who had said, y'all go and do whatever you want to do. You would never say that because you're not from the South. But anyway, you guys go do whatever it is you want to do. Then there wouldn't have been a revolution. Yeah. I mean, and part it, it, of what you get there is this combination of person acting badly along with people who are very smart and do not care for person acting badly and think that they can get out from under person acting badly. He became such an easy target. King George right. did. He right? really set himself up. He okay. Just... <laughs> and, um, and because he became such an easy target, okay. A pamphlet like the common sense. Okay. Had, a real straw person, you know, right. for listeners, what I'm referring to is the infamous rhetorical technique of creating a straw person. Okay. When you and write, then knocking them down and knocking them down. And it's easy to do because it's made of straw. Right. It's not, it's not made of concrete. It's not made of thick wood. Right. Okay? If you assume the worst thing about your enemy in writing, and then you break him down. down. Of course, everybody's on your You're side. On your side, okay. And King George, 
over Set and himself over, up. <laughs> over and over again. He's, he's like, wait, wait, what bad decision can I make here? Let me make that decision. <laughs> I mean, if you think about it, Nia, if you were a loyalist, you would almost want to go ahead and send emissaries. <laughs> like, please don't to, make any more decisions. <laughs> to the crown and say, for the love of everything holy in the world. Please sit you, down. <laughs> could you get him to shut up, right? right. To right. not ask Parliament to pass yet another law that's going to go ahead. Oh, and my up gosh. I mean, over and you know what? Right. And it sets people off when you get all kinds of things. We're going to we're going to uh, force you to pay for certain things. We're going to force you to pay import taxes and export taxes. We're going to we're going to quarter soldiers, um, soldiers in your house. Now, I mean, right. just all kind of, it's like, wow, it it's like. Every time he came to a fork in the road where a decision could be made and one would be less harmful and one would be more harmful, he chose inevitably the more harmful route. Yes. Okay. I mean, like, wow, you have a real gift. Like, even on percentages, you shouldn't be able to do that every time. Yes. Even and, if you were just rolling dice and flipping coins, but he managed to make <laughs> bad decision yes. after bad decision. <laughs> and then he opens the door for something like Thomas Paine, who is passionate but also has the gift of common speak yes yeah yeah so because all the most passionate people in the world if they all talk like shakespeare well shakespeare back in the day would have been just talking like regular people but if somebody came along now and spoke like shakespeare i don't know how much of a crowd they'd get i always like the I, a lot of times we'd be all standing around going what'd they say but i always like to use the example neo beowulf Right. <laughs> okay. Because if everybody spoke like the writing in Beowulf, okay, most of us would be like, okay, one, I don't understand what you just said. Exactly. And, and two, I'm pretty sure <laughs> that is a version of English, okay, that none of us use. Okay. And I'm tuning you out. Right. 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 But he, he wanted people to tune in. He wanted people to go ahead and say, um, Whatever residual feelings of, you know, uh, positive feelings that I have for the crown, okay, of, you know, me trying to hedge my bets. You know, you mentioned this earlier in, in the uh, podcast, you know, if you were looking at the potential success of the revolution, okay, Um and you were a betting person, you would not have gone ahead and placed a lot of money on the colonists, right? right? Colonists against the most powerful empire at the time, the most powerful, the powerful empire, empire in, the in the world. Okay. But Thomas Paine goes ahead and says, yeah, but, you know, that part of your brain that says this is intolerable, that right. this is unacceptable. Okay. We can act on this. And we should act on this. And we should act on this because if this was a truly benevolent, okay, caring parent, they would not treat us this way. Right. Um, right. So, Any uh, parent that really loves you isn't going to eat you. No. Right. I mean. Yeah. Right. I mean. Uh, I don't care how bad the plane crash. Yeah. <laughs> right. I don't care if you're hanging off the top of a Chilean mountain. That's just they're not going to do it, <laughs> especially if you're still alive. Right. That's yeah. the other thing. Yeah. Um, so, so uh, yeah. yeah. 
Um, we but, would suggest that you get a, if you get a chance to read it, to sit down with it. It's interesting writing. It tells you a lot about what he thought about the the Enlightenment ideas and how they applied to the situation then. But it also gives you a lot of idea about what he thought common people needed to be convinced of. Yeah, yeah. And um, it, it gives you an insight into the mind of common people at the Revolutionary period. Because for the Revolutionary War to be successful, for the colonists to be successful, it could not just be the elites. Right. At some point in time, any nation fighting a war has to be able to convince the masses that the sacrifice, that the hardship is going to be worthwhile. And that's where common sense played a really important role in all of this, right? Yeah, I'd like to shout out your um, your guy, Scott Leal. Yeah. Who wrote Thomas Paine, Common Sense and the Turning Point to Independence. Quote, by including all of the colonists in the discussion that would determine their future, common sense became not just a critical step in the journey towards American independence, but also an important artifact in the foundation of American democracy. Right. By him saying, quote, by him saying it matters what the common people think, they have to be behind it as an idea or this experiment is going to fail. And again, listeners, I know at times I, you know, I really stretch to go ahead and, you know, you know, take a gut, you know, one of these governing documents, one of these historical documents and try to show its relevance today. But, you know, what Scott is in, in mentioning here is what political scientists refer to as legitimacy. The people have to find the government legitimate. Right. Right. Okay. It that's such an, an buy-in matters. Yes. Okay. That's a, such an important characteristic of a healthy functioning democracy. Because if you think the government is legitimate, even if you don't like a specific act of governance, you're willing to accept it because you find the government legitimate. Which is a discussion we are having Today. here in 2024. In 2024 yes. Right? Are elections legitimate? Is the government legitimate? Do I have to, do I, what we need is a is Thomas Paine to come back <laughs> and write a pamphlet now, yeah. except it couldn't be a pamphlet, and to do a Instagram story now <laughs> yeah. that we could get out to the to the masses that would say, "What you know, we have to work together as people in order to make this work." Yeah, and we have to be willing. We have to willing. We have to be willing to walk through the scary part to get to the good part. Yes. So can I just say, as we wrap up, one of my favorite things about your notes is that a lot of times you put things in the notes that you don't actually fully mention yeah. in the in the podcast recording. You put them there to remind you of things or, you know, yeah. and uh, and for listeners, sometimes I he doesn't want quotes read out loud. And I do it anyway because I like them because Augie does a great job of pulling out the interesting stuff um, in an article or, a, or in a document. But – you made a note that when it hit the cobblestone streets, streets. in 1776, and I, I love that. 
I love that about you, and I love that about these notes. When it hit the cobblestone streets, because they were, in fact, cobblestone at that point, and it made me laugh out loud. Um, uh, yeah, when I was rereading the notes um, last night <laughs> in, uh, in preparation for our recording today, I was just like, wow, did I get sentimental here, <laughs> right? Because I was just like... But it's, it hit it's the cobblestone streets. Streets, right? Um, you know, you know, like I was waxing elegant. But if you think about it, they did not have paved streets, right? right? They had co cobblestone. And right? more importantly, when you think about it, they had no mass media, so they had no, no way to get the word out for this. Yes. So if you can sell one hundred and twenty thousand copies of something by word of mouth, I mean, if, if that were published today, it would sell millions. Yes. And millions of copies by those standards. Yes. Just think about the fact that what happened was a guy would buy it. He would read it in a pub or somewhere. He would read a section. Hey, hey listen to this. Listen to this. And he would read out a section and people would say, oh, I got to go get one of those. Yes. I need to read that for myself. Mm -hmm. That's yep. a pretty powerful I mean, you want to talk a pretty powerful connection, especially and think about the fact that. 120,000 copies in a play, in a time when reading wasn't widely No, you're not talking about an educated populace. Right. Right? You, you weren't reading as widely, you know, people weren't reading as widely. You were lucky if you could read the Bible. Yes. And and, and there may be one or two family members who could read. Everybody right. else would be read too. Exactly. Yeah. So you're seeing what you're having is people are getting this, they're taking it home and they're reading it to their families. Yes. I mean, so that's, that's powerful stuff. Thomas right Payne, man. Yeah. He's got it going on. Yeah. Kudos. Hat tip, dude. Can I tell you a secret? What? I always mix him up with Patrick Henry. <laughs> but again, I the, don't the, know why I do that, but I'm like, give me liberty or give me death, Thomas Payne. And people are like, no. And I'm like, oh, crud. That's, that's Patrick Henry. I don't know why I do that. Well, I mean, in part, it's easy to go ahead and uh, confuse or conflate them because they were both very passionate orators. Right. Right. And okay. said really cool things that people remember. Yeah. I mean, because these are the times that try men's souls. Men's souls. <laughs> right. That, mean... That's been in every film noir ever. Yeah. <laughs> so, anyway, thank you, Augie. And so, next time we're going to talk about the Declaration of Independence. Yes. Um, so, I'm looking uh, forward to it. Yeah. So am I. Um, uh, taking me way, way back. And we're taking you. Uh, our faithful listeners way way back so isn't uh, that wouldn't we consider that a list of well-written complaints um yeah i might use a different word but i'm not allowed to use that word on the <laughs> on the podcast <laughs> yeah we have rules all right I'll, yeah, i'm looking forward to it i'll talk to you soon all right bye nia <laughs> You've been listening to Civil Discourse, brought to you by VCU Libraries. Opinions expressed are solely the speaker's own and do not reflect the views or opinions of VCU or VCU Libraries. Special thanks to the Workshop for Technical Assistance. Music by Isaac Hobson. Find more information at guides.library.vcu.edu discourse. As always, no documents were harmed in the making of this podcast.